Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. On with the weather, Riverside today will see a high of 75.4 degrees and a low that will dip to 59.3. Now let's move on to the news. First, we'll be looking into the upheaval caused in the automotive industry as United Auto Workers have gone on strike against the big three automakers. Then updates on the Biden administration's effort to battle COVID-19 as they relaunch covidtests.gov comma this time to mail out free rapid tests. Switching gears to the Cosmos' spectacle, we have an exciting update from NASA's historic OSIRIS-REx mission, which has made a triumphant return with a sample taken from an asteroid Bennu. And finally, a major economic headline as J.P. Morgan Chase and Co. plans to include Indian government bonds in its Emerging Markets Index, which is expected to rake in billions in foreign investment. All this and more coming up on Alex's News. Stay with us. We begin today with a story resonating across America United Auto Workers, or UAW, striking against Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, the big three automakers, raising considerable concerns about disruptions in the automotive industry. Joining us now is Elias to delve into the intricacies. Elias, what's fueling this widespread strike? Thanks, Connie. Well, this strike began on September 15th and it's the first time the UAW has simultaneously targeted all three major automakers. The workers are demanding a series of improvements. These include a substantial 40% wage hike, dismantling the two-tier system, cost-of-living adjustments, and safeguards against outsourcing and plant shutdowns, not to mention a shortened work week. What recent developments have we seen in terms of negotiations and the wider repercussions of this strike? It's a tense situation, Connie. Negotiations are ongoing, but have yet to produce a resolution. The strike is already causing layoffs and work stoppages at the Big Three's facilities and even their supply chains. For instance, the Michigan assembly plant operated by Ford has stopped around 600 employees from reporting to work since the strike commenced. Both General Motors' Wentzville Assembly Plant and Fairfax Assembly and Stamping Plant have been affected. Stellantis, too, is suspending employees, including at its Toledo Machining Plant. That's incredibly disruptive. Could there be wider implications for other industries? Absolutely, Connie. U.S. Steel, for example, has responded by temporarily shutting down a blast furnace in Illinois, Analysts are predicting cumulative losses in the billions if a full month of production is lost. The ripple effects could even disturb the production of high-margin pickup trucks and suppliers. It also has potential implications for average consumers. Repair costs could rise, and some parts might even become scarcer, while car prices may also increase. What's the stance of the UAW president, Sean Fain? Fain's been quite assertive, Connie. He's threatened to widen the strikes if talks do not bring enough progress by Friday. He's especially critical of the automakers for pocketing high profits while workers receive less and less. Elias, I gather there's been a significant public reaction to the strike. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. 
According to a recent Reuters Ipsos poll, there's a high level of American support for the striking auto workers. Even the White House has expressed backing. How are ongoing negotiations playing out as the strike deadline looms closer? Key points of contention include wages, retirement benefits, and work-life balance. The companies have suggested wage hikes of around 20%, while UAW is pushing for increases upwards of 30%. A tiered wage structure is another contentious issue here. So, what potential footsteps could we see regarding the evolution of these strikes? If negotiations prove unsuccessful and the strikes indeed expand, this could result in serious impacts on the U.S. economy, possibly influencing the third-quarter gross domestic product and global automotive supply chains. Hence, heightening tensions in the industry. Thanks for that insightful analysis, Elias. Our correspondents will continue following this story closely as it unfolds. Today, we dive deeper into the Biden administration's ongoing efforts to control the spread of COVID-19. The focus now is on the relaunch of the covidtests.gov website, which is set to provide free COVID-19 rapid tests by mail. Grace has been looking into this and she'll fill us in with the details. Grace? Hi Connie. Yes, the Biden administration is taking significant steps to prepare for the upcoming fall and winter COVID season. Starting Monday, September 25th, each household in the U.S. can request up to four free COVID-19 rapid tests through covidtests.gov. This is a renewal of a program initially launched during the Omicron wave in January 2022. So far, this initiative has distributed a total of 755 million free tests. It sounds like quite a substantial move, but I'm curious about the resources needed to back such an initiative. Well, the Department of Health and Human Services, HHS for short, is funding this effort with a whopping $600 million investment towards manufacturing these tests. The idea behind this kind of investment is twofold. First, they aim to support and strengthen our country's domestic supply chain by funding 12 U.S. manufacturers. This reduces our reliance on overseas manufacturers. Second, they hope to broaden the availability of tests, with plans to purchase 200 million tests thanks to this investment. You mentioned this initiative as a renewal. Are there any new developments this time around? Yes, there are. This time, even though the program is offering free tests, it's crucial to note that expired tests may still be usable. We've learned that many expiration dates have been extended, so the government is advising people to check covidtests.gov for updated expiration information. Also, in response to potential holiday spikes, the website will stay functional through the holidays and possibly longer, depending on demand. It's a relief to hear about these steps being taken. But how about the less fortunate community? Are there provisions for long-term care facilities, low-income senior housing, uninsured individuals, or underserved communities? Absolutely, Connie. 
The initiative also complements federal efforts to provide free COVID tests to the locations and communities you mentioned. Apart from that, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, provides a site locator for free testing sites. Plus, those who need tests urgently can find them at pharmacies and other retailers. I understand that the administration also emphasizes the importance of vaccination, correct? That's right. This initiative is part of the Biden administration's broader attempts to address the COVID-19 spread. The CDC recommends that individuals who are six months or older should get booster shots of either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. That sounds clear and actionable. To conclude, where does all our information come from? We based our discussion on multiple detailed reports from diverse sources, such as NPR, The Baltimore Banner, CNBC, Intelligencer, Very Well Health, Daily Express U.S., and Health Day News. Thank you for covering this critical public health development, Grace. You're welcome, Connie. It's essential to keep everyone informed about the ongoing efforts to control the spread of COVID-19. Today, we delve into a momentous milestone in space exploration. NASA's historic OSIRIS-REx mission approaches its return to Earth, set for this Sunday, September 24th. On board is an asteroid sample gathered from Bennu that promises to offer illuminating insights into the birth of our solar system and the possibility of life beyond Earth. To walk us through this exciting story, we have Elias, our correspondent specializing in space exploration. Welcome, Elias. Thank you, Connie. Yes, it indeed is an exciting time. OSIRIS-REx stands for Origins, Spectral Interpretation, Resource Identification, and Security Regolith Explorer. This spacecraft was launched in 2016, and it's set to drop a capsule containing valuable dust and rock samples from the asteroid Bennu. The sample's supposed to be coming down in the Utah desert, right? Absolutely correct, Connie. The capsule will descend into the Utah desert around 9 a.m. local time. At approximately 67,000 miles from Earth, the capsule will be released, and then a high-speed descent will follow, reaching a peak temperature of a blistering 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So let's talk about the trickier parts. How is the sample being brought safely to Earth? That's a crucial question. The final descent will last around 13 minutes, and if all goes well, two parachutes should deploy to allow the basket-sized capsule a soft landing in the desert. From there, it will be collected by pre-positioned staff and flown to NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston, Texas, for comprehensive analysis. You mentioned the sample gathering involved a rather high-risk operation. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. It was quite a daring move. The probe came into contact with the asteroid Bennu for just a few seconds back in October 2020. It emitted a blast of compressed nitrogen, which raised a cloud of dust and rocky material. The sample of that cloud was then captured swiftly before the probe moved away from the asteroid. It is NASA's third deep space sample return mission, right, Elias? And presumably the sample from Bennu has particular significance? Yes, that's right. While NASA has previously brought samples back from space, this is the first time they've obtained a large sample from an asteroid. 
the collected materials from Bennu are anticipated to provide valuable insights into our solar system's formation. Notably, Bennu is a carbonaceous asteroid, and these types of asteroids are known to be rich in organic molecules, which hold potential clues to the origins of life. I imagine scientists worldwide must be quite eager to examine this sample. Absolutely, Connie. In fact, apart from NASA's lab in Houston, researchers around the globe, including Curtin University in Australia, will also participate in the study of this asteroid sample. The insights we gain from Bennu could revolutionize our understanding of our solar system's early history and the potential for life to form on other planets. And when can we expect to hear more about the findings from this mission? Well, NASA is expected to share preliminary findings during a press conference on October 11th. But of course, in-depth analysis will take time, and we might not see published data until the first half of 2024. Wow, Elias, this is fascinating. It's not just about the sample return, it's also about learning more about potentially hazardous near-Earth asteroids. Absolutely, Connie. NASA also has its eye on Bennu for its proximity to Earth. Understanding more about its composition might aid future missions aiming to deflect potentially hazardous asteroids. What a fascinating moment in space exploration. Elias, thank you for your insightful analysis, and we'll certainly be waiting eagerly for the results from the sample. My pleasure, Connie. It's always thrilling discussing such historic missions. Let's switch gears now to big news from the world of banking and finance. J.P. Morgan has made an announcement that could be a game-changer for India's economy. Grace, you've been following the recent developments. Can you tell us more about it? Absolutely, Connie. So, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company is set to include Indian government bonds in its Emerging Markets Bond Index from June 2024. It's a move that market experts believe could generate as much as $26 billion of passive inflows into India's domestic debt market. That's a huge amount. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what passive inflows are and why they're important? Of course. In simple terms, passive inflows refer to the funds, in this case, from foreign investors, that flow into a country without any active trading or decision-making on the part of the investor. These occur due to a country's inclusion in a widely followed global index, like the one J.P. Morgan operates. The significance here is twofold. It provides India with a broader investor base and contributes to stable financial inflows into the country, thereby supporting the economy. And this inclusion by J.P. Morgan, how does it factor into India's financial plans? Well, Connie, this move follows discussions that began as far back as 2019 and marks a significant moment for India as it seeks to elevate its standing on the international financial stage. The Indian government has desired to be a part of global indexes since 2013. This inclusion can help finance the country's current account deficit, ease pressure on the rupee, lower bond yields, and improve the sentiments of foreign portfolio investors. Speaking of other countries, will this inclusion impact them in any way? Interestingly, yes. 
As India gets a higher weighting in this JP Morgan index, some countries like Thailand, South Africa, Poland, the Czech Republic, and Brazil might see their weightings shrink, potentially leading to outflows from their domestic government bonds. I see you've also mentioned that Egypt is under review? Yes, that's correct. While we're celebrating India's inclusion, it's worth mentioning that JP Morgan mentioned Egypt's eligibility in the index series is under review due to difficulties in currency repatriation. It seems like this is good news all around for India, but what's the expected implication for their equity markets? Well, experts aren't predicting a direct impact on equity markets, Connie. However, the overall sentiment from this decision could potentially still influence all aspects of India's finance landscape. Thanks for painting such a detailed picture, Grace. It sounds like this could be a huge opportunity for India. Absolutely, Connie. This is a significant development indeed, and it's been reported across multiple prominent news outlets like Mint, Economic Times, and Reuters. In essence, J.P. Morgan's decision heralds a key moment for India as it continues to elevate its stature in global financial markets. Well, that's a wrap on this story. Thanks to our expert reporter, Grace, for bringing us the details. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4 GPT-3.5 Turbo, the 11 Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.